Hello everyone, I am Jonathan Little. I'm here today with episode 231 of Weekly Poker Hand. Thank you very much for being here with me today. We have another fun hand. I presume I have not seen it yet. But we have another fun hand from 5510 No Limit from Stone's Gambling Hall. And in this situation, it folds around to the button. Jim O, who raises to 35 bucks with 5-4 suited. Seems perfectly fine and reasonable. Then it gets around to the third big blind. Well, the third blind. Porter with Queen Jack of Spades. Both players have spades. 5-4 of spades versus Queen Jack of Spades. We are playing 1,500 bucks deep. Flop comes 9-5-2, one spade. So, Porter checks as he likely should here. Although, you know, there may be a little bit of merit in leading on 9-5-2 with one spade because Queen Jack of Spades doesn't really want to check call, even though it does have overcards, backdoor flush draw, backdoor straight draw. And it also doesn't really want to check raise, although check raising, I think, is reasonable. Um, whenever leading, I'm sorry, whenever you check raising and check calling are dicey, uh, leading becomes an option. Now, I usually don't do a whole lot of leading. And if you play around with a lot of Game Theory Optimal simulators, they will often not suggest leading. However, if you think your opponent's just going to fold everything besides a pair if you lead, your lead's going to pick up the pot something like 60% of the time, right? And if you can pick up the pot even... 40% of the time, you're just going to be crushing it. So that's certainly reasonable. However, um, you're typically going to find that most people in cash games on the button playing deep stacked, they're not going to be such pushovers. So if you do lead in this spot, you need to be willing to fire the turn and often the river. And uh, same story if you check raise. If you check raise, you need to be willing to fire as well. So queen jack of spades checks on nine five two one spade, two hearts. Jim O decides to bet. This is a spot where you don't need to be betting too often, but in this situation, I think betting's fine. Uh, usually your middle pairs are reasonable candidates to check, but the board is all low cards for the most part, so I guess it's fine to go ahead and bet with everything. The issue is that if you check, there's a lot of bad cards for 5-4 spades, like any overcard, right? Whereas if you bet and get called, you can still get called by some worse hands, like um, ace high will call a lot of the time here, and pocket threes and pocket fours, and a two will call. So I think there is merit in value betting. I don't think you need to bet too large. I think something like three, four, uh, two-thirds pot, three-fourths pot is perfectly fine. You don't want to go too small in this situation, though, because if you bet too small, like $25, now you're going to get called by all sorts of stuff, and all sorts of stuff has plenty of equity. And also it may induce a raise and you don't really want to get raised. So I would go a little bit on the larger side here. So the pot was uh, $80 preflop and he bet 40. So half pot, I think you can go a little bit bigger. And now what does Porter do? Porter is going to ponder over a call and then call. If you'd watch what Porter just did there, he kind of got his chips out, shuffled them a few times and then called. I don't know anything about Porter, but whenever you see people doing things like that, it's almost as if they're saying, hmm, this is marginal. I guess I'll call. And you definitely don't want to look like you have a marginal hand when you have a marginal hand. And right here, I think that looks really marginal. So I, I probably would not have done that, um, that display there. Turn is an action card. Eight of spades. Both players now have a flush draw. Jim O has a pair to go with his, and Porter has overcards and a gut shot. Jim checks. 
I'm sorry, Porter checks, and now it's back to Jim O, and I think this is a very easy check behind. But it looks like he's going to bet. Let's see how much he bets. Pot was 160, and he bet 85. Okay, the reason I really don't like betting on this turn is because at this point, if you think about Porter's range, the check call the flop, it's going to be a lot of nines. It's going to be a lot of fives. You lose to all that. It's going to be some hands like 8-7, 8-6, 7-6. All of that just got there with a better pair on the turn. And it's going to be some flush draws. The hearts, most likely. And it could also be sporadic overcards. So in this scenario, if you bet and get called, you're actually going to be decently far behind, I think. Whereas if it just goes check, check, you keep your opponent in with their whole range. Also, if you bet, your opponent may decide to raise you, which you know, is fine because you can call, but often if they raise you on the turn, they're going to continue betting the river, especially on such a uh, draw-heavy board. They're going to be betting with all their hands that do come in. You know, the flush draws, if the heart comes in, the flush draw if the spade comes in, etc. And they're going to be betting as bluff sometimes. So it puts you in a really bad spot. So in my mind, Jim likely got some protection on the flop by betting. And now on the turn, you know, you can still get a little bit more protection if your opponent has king-queen offsuit. But if your opponent has king-queen offsuit, you just check-check the turn and then easily call a river bet. So I definitely like checking in Jim's spot. A lot of people, when they have a pair and a draw, they think the draw is the overriding factor or the most important part of their hand. But very often, it's the, it's the pair value. If um, Jim O had ace nine somehow with a flush draw, like say he had ace nine of hearts, then sure, bet your top pair for value because you can get called by a lot of worse stuff. But in this scenario with the middle pair or you know third pair no kicker, it's pretty hard to get called by worse made hands. So I think you just want to check behind and go from there. Now, with Queen Jack of Spades, what does Porter do? I think he should probably go ahead and put in the raise. Um, he has no showdown value, right? The Queen Jack of Spades is almost certainly not good. He could very easily have 7-6, which just made the nuts on the turn. He could also have 9-8, which got there. He could have, um, I mean, those are just the nut hands he could have. He could also have flush draws he'd like to play this way, like he has. And if the heart comes in, he can definitely bet that. If the spades come in, he, he gets there. So this is going to work out really well for Porter if he check-raises turn and then bombs the river. That is definitely what I would do in this spot. The alternative line is to just call. Now, he does have a lot of equity, right? He has the 10s for the straight. Remember, board is 9, 5, 2, 8. So Queen Jack has a 10 for the gut shot. And then it also has all the spades, and it also has queens and jacks a lot of the time. That's a lot of outs. If you're watching this on jonathanlowpoker.com, you can see a whole load of outs for Porter, a whole, a whole pile of them. <laughs> so I think calling is fine because he has so many outs. The problem is, is when you're out of position with a draw, if you miss, you just lose on the river. Because if you lead, when the river's a complete brick, it's kind of obvious that all the draws miss, therefore your opponent should call a lot, right? So that's not necessarily good. If you miss and you check and your opponent just checks behind, you, you lose, so that's bad as well. So typically you're going to want to find a raise. And often raises just look strong, right? I mean, if you have 7-6 here, you should definitely raise. If you have 9-8, you should definitely raise. If you somehow had a set here, you should definitely raise. So there are plenty of strong made hands you could raise as well. So I, I definitely like a raise. And I would make it on the large side, when the board is incredibly draw heavy, you want to be raising with your best draws, like queen, jack, spades, and you want to be raising with your nut hands, like sets and straights and whatnot. Um, so yeah, I think I would make it something like 300 
in this scenario. That does run the risk of Gemo jamming because um, if you make it 300, pot's going to go up to 545. And then Gem could jam for 1500 total, which is you know, kind of a lot. But on these very draw heavy boards, you should often be jamming with your best draws and your nut hands. But I don't think you're going to get jammed on too often by most people in 510 no limit. Most people are just going to call with stuff like what Gemmo has, right? With 5-4 five, four, five, four with the spades, a lot of people are going to just call, whereas in higher stakes games, maybe they feel more inclined just to rip it in on you. So let's see what happens. Porter is giving it a think. Looks like he cut out. Oh, he's going for the raise. Good, good. I like this. You want to make sure you make it big, though. You don't want to make it too small because you're going to get called a lot. So he made it 240, which is three times his opponent's bet. I think this is actually a leak that a lot of people have where they raise to three times their opponent's bet almost blindly. Like, imagine instead the pot was $100 and Jimmo bet 10 If you raise to 30 what kind of pot odds is Jim getting? Well, he's getting amazing pot odds, right? 20 to win 140 in this scenario, Jim did not bet that big on the turn. So when you make it 155 more, notice the pot's going to go up to about $600 if Jim calls, which means Jim only needs to have 25% equity in position, right? It's not hard to realize 25% equity in position on the turn. So you definitely want to make it bigger here, especially as your opponent's bet smaller and smaller. You're actually raising in proportion to the size of the pot, not in relation to your opponent's bet size. It's a very, very important concept that some people don't necessarily utilize so jimbo calls i think he could jam i think jamming's reasonable notice jim could also have pocket nines pocket eights seven six he could have all the nut hands too right so if he has all the nut hands he wants to be jamming some of his draws as well the question is does this five actually have any showdown value and <laughs> interestingly enough if we know that porter is good and is raising the turn with all of his draws or a lot of his draws you need to be hero calling with this five four some portion of the time on the river, but I don't know if many people have that in them. I definitely don't think you want to call with the idea that I lose every time I don't make a flush or two pair or uh, three of a kind. So you have to be a little bit sticky on the river. And if you know you're not going to be a little bit sticky on the river, you may just want to use this hand as a bluff because it does still have lots and lots of outs when you're behind. All right, anyway, he calls, I believe, relatively quickly. And we're going to go to the river. Would it be more fun if a spade or a non-spade comes? I think non-spade's more fun. And we get that. An eight. Ugh. Ugly eight on the river. Well, <laughs> this is one of the dicey cards because Porter could definitely have straights that he would like to value bet and nine eight, which made a boat. So he should go ahead and bluff with some hands. Now he needs to do a real hard look at his range which is what we do a lot over at PokerCoaching.com, we would look at Porter's entire range and see where does Queen Jack suited fall? Does it realistically fit in a bluffing range? And I think it almost certainly does here. And that's because Porter probably has lots of the 7-6 um, combination. The only other flush draws he has that are worse than this exact flush draw are going to be um, Jack 10 of spades, Queen 10 of spades, 10-7 of spades. And what else? That's, that's pretty much it, right? I guess I could have 4-3 of spades. So you definitely need to bluff here. This is, this is one of your worst hands at this point. You could also have some heart flush draws that miss too, all those combinations as well. But 
you have a pretty good amount of nut hands in this spot. So I think you need to bet, and I think you need to go ahead and continue betting big. Pot 640 with 1,200 behind. <laughs> if you were to plug this into a GTO solver, it may say to shove here. But you probably have too many nut hands in your range to actually shove. I, I think you're going to have a hard time coming up with enough bluffs to justify shoving. So for that reason, I think you want to bet on the normal side, like 400. And now, does Gemmo call with his pair when the 8 comes? The 8's actually a really safe card. So he bet 530, which I think is nice. All the draws missed, right? Whenever all the draws miss, you need to be really sticky. And I think a 9 and an 8, and obviously a 5, and a 2 are all pretty great for Gemmo. It's a bit of a bummer that 9-8 got there, and 9-8 would certainly value bet. But I think this is really close. Hope Jim finds the call. Ah, uh, he folds. And, you know, I'm not going to fault the guy for folding this junky pair here. But it's very important to realize that if your opponent is aggressive and is check-raising you on the turn with draws, as we see here, you have to be very call-happy when the river does not complete any of the draws. And the 8, especially the 8 here, does not complete any of the draws. Um, I understand Porter could have, like, 8x of hearts. But he may not even raise a turn with 8x of hearts, right? Because 8x has a lot of showdown value. If Porter is actually a very good player, I think this 5-4 suited is a very easy call. If Porter is a you know more straightforward, not-so-good player, I think the 5-4 suited becomes a much more reasonable fold. And like if you took this hand from a generic 1-2 table, or maybe even a 2-5 table, 5-4 suited is an easy fold. But as you play against better and better opponents who are going to be aggressive with their draws, like we see Porter doing here, it becomes much closer and closer to a call. So uh, don't call this in a one, two, no limit. You're going to be lighting your money on fire most of the time. But against good thinking players, and you know, so far, Porter seems perfectly reasonable. Um, I, I think you need to end up finding a call here at least some portion of the time. So that's going to be it for this episode of Weekly Poker Hand. I want to thank you again for being here. Thanks to Stone's Gambling Hall for letting me use the footage. If you enjoy me going over cash game hands, let me know. I know we've done tons and tons of my hands, tons of tournament hands, and not a whole lot of cash games. So I wanted to give the cash game players a little bit of love. Uh, but yeah, let me know. Uh, one thing I also he often hear is that, oh, I don't like cash game hands because I don't play cash games. But you have to realize, cash game hands are essentially deep stacked poker hands, which is what occurs in the early levels of tournaments. And if you're not a good deep stack player, you're going to have a pretty tough time winning at tournaments because there's a lot of value to pick up early in, in um, tournaments when the stacks are deep. And if you just don't do that, you're leaving a lot of money on the table. So these apply to everyone. Good luck in your games, and I'll talk to you next week.